Father. You're the one that brought us this community together. You're the one that gave us this community, and we are thankful for it. Now, as we open your word, we pray that you would speak to our heart. Oh, we've got a number of people we wish you would speak to, but today, would you speak to our hearts? In the name of Jesus, amen. I don't know. I do not know what your weakness is. I don't know what your downfall is. But uh, we each have our own. Anybody have a lighter? I got something here. Never mind. I know you wouldn't carry lighters. I knew better than that. Are you serious? Come on. What do you think? Listen, the, the package reads, the package reads, you smoke these, you're dying. That's what the package reads. Well, it says it just in nice little words. Surgeon General's warning, if you stop these, or, or smoking these serious, causes serious risk to your health. And quitting smoking greatly reduces your risk to your health. It's simple. Come on. I'm not going to. Come on. I'm, listen, I have never been tempted. Now, I understand there are people who have had a journey, and these have gotten a hold of them. These are, have, have, have arrested them in an addiction. Hey, keep your courage, and you keep fighting these. You bring in an accountability partner. But it is simple. This is, this is one, there's a lot of things that Satan can get me on, but this is not one of them. This is not one that has ever appealed to me. There's a big old Surgeon General. I don't know who, who the current Surgeon General is or who the Surgeon General that wrote this was. But it's, it's clear. You don't, don't touch it. Don't touch them. They're bad for your health. Get rid of them. Simple. Huh? We like simple. Speaking of simple. <laughs> Speaking of simple. We've got a slender refugee from West Africa. Moves with his family at one years, one years old. Moves with his family to Chivosa, Italy. Chivoso, Italy. He grows up, goes to work in a factory. COVID comes, lockdown happens. He's out of a job. Been working hard, and he's out of a job. Now he's sitting at home in lockdown in Italy a year and a half ago, and he's got nothing to do. So he starts fiddling around with the phone, gets this, this thing called TikTok, and downloads the app, and, and then watches what other people do, and says, hey, I could do a little bit of that. So he tries a few dance moves, and records them, and then he tries a joke, and he gets a couple, two or three views and nothing. I mean, he's just a no-name, nobody in Chavosa, Italy, the refugee from West Africa. Well, and then, and then, Gabi Lame is watching what these, these online uh, instructional videos, these life hack videos, and he decides to kind of spoof them. And so he, uh, he watches one. The first one, I guess, is so you get your car, uh, no, your shirt stuck in the car door. And it, there's a little video on how to get your, car, your coat, your shirt out of the car door. It's multi-stepped and it's, it, somebody puts it on there and everybody watches it and says, oh, you want your... Well, Mr. Lamy said, that just doesn't make any sense to me. And so he records himself 
with his shirt stuck in the car door, and he simply opens the car door, pulls his shirt out, and closes the car door. And it catches. He, he ends it with this little, this little now signature move, this shrug, kind of like palms out. There's our man. And you know the TikTokers in the circle here. First service, everybody's like, TikTok? I have to check it out. Well, here it is. You've got your TikTokers right here. Lame is now the second most popular person on TikTok, gaining nearly 200,000 followers a day. He is on pace to take over as number one TikToker in the world, still over there in Chivosa, Italy. He's not going back to the factory anytime soon. His signature move, though, is an expression that just says, come on, keep it simple. He doesn't say a word in any of his videos. They're poorly videoed often. They're just casually presented. But his signature move, palms upward, shoulders shrug, demonstrating this, come on, keep it simple. And that signature has, has stuck. That signature move has stuck. Apparently, folks, we, prepare, we prefer to keep it simple. We prefer to keep it simple. That old, that old tag on Facebook is yesterday's news. When you post it on your, on your Facebook relationship status, it's complicated. Nope, not anymore. We're doing the Lame style now. Keep it simple. No more complicating. Come on. Come on. Why did you stick these in my mouth? Keep it simple. I'm not putting a cigarette in my mouth. Smoking kills you. Keep it simple. We like that. Apparently, apparently, Solomon, the wise man, liked it too. Go, to, go in your Bibles to Proverbs. It was well read for us or well recited just moments ago. Proverbs chapter 4. Got your Bibles? A few Bibles for you. Grab, grab a Bible. We, we want to follow along. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. We're going to start where he says, My son, pay attention. Hey, he tries to get our attention. Get our, yep, yep, pay attention. Eyes on me, Solomon says. Pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Keep them within your heart. Solomon knew where the epicenter, he knew where the control center of humanity was. Keep them in your heart. You want them to be effective? They've got to go to the heart. All right, we keep reading. Keep them in your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Solomon is saying these words, they'll go into your, your heart and they will be life to you. So what are you to put in your, 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 your heart? God's word. He's, he's pleading with us. My son, give me your attention. Put God's word in your heart. Well, what's, uh, what's on the contrary? What's... And then he says, verse 23, above all else, let's keep it simple. I'm not going to make it complicated for you. Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Solomon pleading with us, come on, put God's word in your heart for they are life and health, but you've got to guard your heart because out of it flows everything in your life. Above all else, guard. Why? Why? Because your heart is the capital 
It's like the, the Pentagon, the White House, and the Capitol building all in one place. That's your heart. What is in your heart controls everything you do, subconsciously even. It's your hidden control center. Oh, Solomon says, please guard your heart above all else. Number one task, numero uno today, is guard your heart. Tomorrow, uh, same thing. It's simple. Solomon, Solomon broke it down. The wisest man on the planet broke it down for us. Hey, I'm going to just keep it simple for you. Guard your heart. What else? No, no, just, just that. Guard your heart. Anything else? Nope. Guard your heart. All right, we're looking at four passages today. That's number one. Number two is Jesus. Jesus must have read, even better yet, inspired Solomon to write that. Because Jesus is talking in Matthew 15. You got your, you got your Bibles? We're, we're good. We're done with Proverbs for, them. for the time we're going to uh, Matthew, the first book in the New Testament. You got it? Matthew chapter 15. Jesus is talking to some antagonists. They're always, I mean, there's a bunch of antagonists for Jesus. There always will be. But Jesus is talking to a group of them, and they're asking him some questions. He responds, and he quotes to them Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, in which he says, you worship me with your mouth, with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Well, that was very offensive to the to the group there. They were very uh, offended, even angry about that, because it basically said, you're hypocrites, you act like you know me, but you really don't. It's, uh, it's not, we're not tight like that. You may act like it, you may say that you are, but you're not really. Reminds me of the, the expression in Spanish, no me conoces. Yeah, we're not like that, we're not tight like that. Well, that was offensive to these. You're not tight with God like you think you are. Well, that got them worked up, and that got the disciples worked up because they were worked up because some of the people that were worked up were some of the, 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 the religious leaders. And so everybody's kind of worked up, and the disciples come to Jesus later and say, Jesus, come on, break that down for us. You know they were offended, right? Jesus said, I know they were offended. They needed to be offended because anybody that's not going to give me their, uh, give their heart but give their ser lip services needs to be offended, needs to be woken up. If Jesus was here today, he would tell you, don't, don't sing that song with autumn into my heart, and then not live it. All right, so then Jesus, the disciples say, hey, can you explain it to us? And so Jesus explains it to us. Matthew 15 and verse 17. Uh, Matthew 15 and verse 17. Don't you see, <laughs> first in 16, it's, he, he asked them nicely, are you still dull? But that's Jesus, he can talk like that. Uh, verse 17, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? It's, that's a big kid conversation. We don't want to get too detailed. It's just, let's talk about a little fundamental biology there. Jesus made the body. He knows exactly what happened. You put food in the mouth, chew it up, goes through the stomach, goes through a process, comes out. It's waste, right? It's doo-doo. Everybody with me? All right. So Jesus explains what you put into your mouth, food you eat, has a process. And then he uses that biological function to then explain what happens when you, when you feed your heart. Verse 18, he says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from their heart, and these are what defile them. His breakdown is, is saying, look, the, the, the bodily function with the food, there's going to be something that comes out. You put something in, it will come out. And if it doesn't, well, that's, then you got doctors and nurses involved in that process. Jesus says, you put stuff into your heart, your mouth is the, is the expression of what's in your heart. Your life 
becomes the expression, the process from which what you put into your heart flows. It's the same as the biological function of food and, and, and turned into waste. So what are you putting in your heart? What are you putting in your heart? That hidden control center. It will come out. Oh, it doesn't always. Oh, just because I listen to bad words, does that mean I'm going to start saying bad words? No, 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 no. Don't, don't, be so, don't be so superficial. What you put in will affect your control center and it will affect your life. It doesn't mean that just because you hear that word, you will now say that word, but it will come out. Believe me, the biological function of food, it doesn't look like, it may look different, but it will come out. All right, I think I've explained it well enough. It's, it's just, let me, let, me, let me give it one more stab with this line right here. It's, life is like a jar of jalapeno peppers. What you do today may be a burning issue tomorrow. Comprende? All right. What you put into your life, into your heart, that hidden control center, will become a part of your tomorrow. So what are you putting in today? Ah, we've got Daniel. Daniel, one more narrative. All right, we've got uh, two more. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. The great prophetic work of Daniel. Come on, we know Daniel in the lion's den. A little lesser known is that first chapter, Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. We would have never known Daniel. We would not know Daniel's name if it wasn't for verse 8. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, that is. But Daniel resolved, or as the King James puts it, purposed. I love that. I love that expression a little bit more. Purposed. Not to defile himself. Not to defile himself. He purposed in his heart. I'm not going to do it. It was, a, it was a guardianship of his heart. I'm not going to let my life be defiled by the impact, by the influences around me. You have to understand, there were thousands of young people that were captured in Jerusalem, that were taken captive to Babylon and put through a time of testing. There were people from all over the world. The reason we know Daniel's name is because of Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8, because he purposed in his heart. If Daniel had failed at that point, we would have never known the story of Daniel. There would be no Daniel in the lion's den. There would be no great prophetic work of Daniel. God was able to use Daniel. Why? Because he had a guarded heart. And Daniel chapter 12, Daniel chapter 1 starts with Daniel guarding his heart. Daniel chapter 12 ends with the great prince Michael, the archangel, standing guard over his people. God is able to guard us because we've guarded our hearts. Oh, it gets better. It gets better and we'll be there in just a minute. But we would not know who Daniel is. God would not have a Daniel if it wasn't for a guarded heart. Oh, you ask, what are we guarding it from? What, what am I supposed to guard it from? That's a good question. Thanks for asking. Let's, let's talk about what a modern application of Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 would be. But Daniel purposed in his heart. What would be a modern application? What are things that influence us most heavily? I made a list. I just, I just started a list. You should just, just start a list. These are the things that influence me. I started to make a list. Had to trim most of it off because, just because. 
But here's, here's five. Let's make a list. Put the first one on, on the screen for you. Media. Hey, we talked about media a couple of weeks ago. Let me just revisit it because there's no reason why not to. Media has, has consumed us. It's, it's destroying us. Now, you know what I mean. Media, you're saying, you're saying we can't have phones, we can't have computers. You know better than that. We cited, we cited the, the Chinese government just weeks ago, putting into, into law that a minor could not spend more than three hours a week on, on gaming. Well, somebody came up to me uh, just about a week ago and said, hey, by the way, we, we hear they're, they're working or they have established down to one hour. They're saying three hours is too much. <sighs> one hour. They're calling it a spiritual opium, a drug that's destroying the spiritual souls of young people. And Ran Tao, the, the psychologist, said, look, 85% of our young people are addicted to this, and it is enemy number one for personal growth. Enemy number one, spiritual opium. The godless community saying, we've got to stop this. It is destroying us. Oh, I don't know if I need to say it again, but I have no, no interest in expressing any sort of compassion for, for gaming. Not at all. I've seen too many young men, and I will say young women as well. I have seen too many young men full of potential become lifeless, hapless, helpless human beings because of the gaming industry. I have no interest in supporting it at all. It's destroying souls. All right, number two. Number two, music. Ah, music. What's wrong with music? Well, it's not music that's the problem. Uh, John Hopkins just, just, uh, just a couple of years ago did this study on, research and on music, and their one-line conclusion, their one-line conclusion is this. Let me read it for you. There are few things that stimulate the brain the way music does. So that's good. We sang together this morning. It's good. But the potential that something has for good has an equally distant negative potential when it goes for what's wrong. That is music. There's nothing, according to John Hopkins and their team, that stimulates the brain like music. That means it has a huge potential for good. Music does. But it has the opposite potential for what is wrong. So you make the call. Well, what's, 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 what's the right music and what's the wrong music? We're going to get to that in just an, just an instant. Just hold that thought. What is right and what is wrong? Number three, what about friends? Friends, a, a huge influencer. Leslie Becker Phelps, PhD in psychology. I found out this week, I never knew. There's two, two types of doctorates in psychology. There's the PhD and then the doctors in psychology. There's two... Two different doctorates. Leslie Becker Phelps has a PhD. She, she unpacks this. Your friends, the people you spend time with, both in person and online. So we're talking social media now. And some of these people you don't even call, call friends. You just spend a lot of time with them because you follow their content. That's, that's what the, Dr. Leslie Becker Phelps is saying, your friends are those who you spend time with. That's how we're defining friends. So whoever you spend time with in person or online are your friends. And your friends, listen to the impact that they can have. Your friends will affect uh, how you think about yourself, 
how you feel about yourself. They will inform your preferences and your perspective of lifestyle. Friends are touching every corner of who you are. It gets worse or better, depending on the type of friends you choose. So they not only influence how, what you think about yourself, what you, some, of, some people are dealing with depression, and, and we can look around at their friends and go, their, their social media content, it's all negative. No wonder they're struggling with depression. I'm not, I'm not, regular, I, I'm, I'm not blaming one, one instance, but I'm saying, this is, this is Dr. Becker Phelps, she's got a, uh, she's got a PhD. She's got to know something, right? She said, they influence what you think about yourself, how you feel about yourself. They influence your, your preferences in life. All of a sudden, some of us are wearing stuff and thinking we like stuff that we never thought we would like before because of friends and lifestyles. We actually change our lifestyle based on the, on the impact of our friends. And here's what's worse or better. They, says Dr. Becker Phelps, a current friend... A current influence, somebody you're spending time with, will influence who you choose to be your friends next. So not only do they influence the present, but my current friends, my current social group, actually influences who I will choose or accept or associate with in the future. That is, if I am associating with the negative content... I will choose negative friends in the future. And then I wonder why the world is so terrible. Friends, friends, it's called the Michelangelo effect. They have a term for it. It's the Michelangelo effect. Your friend will influence who you are and who you are today and who you are in the future. Oh, man. All right, number four, entertainment. Entertainment. We, we like to be entertained. Oh, fair enough. Let's be entertained. Let's have a good time. But what about entertainment that goes bad? Graphic or repeated exposure to violence or darkness or immorality or cheating or lying begins to create in us a system. We talked just weeks ago that repeated exposure to violent images, video games, or a movie video content actually creates secondary PTSD in us. What about entertainment? Well, I mean, where do, where do we draw the line? Hold the thought again. Hold the thought. We're coming there. What about sports? I actually, I had a whole line here for sports. I said, well, let's find out about sports. The jury's out on it. There's, there's specialists and bright minds that are on both sides of this going, yeah, it's a good thing to actually follow a sports team. No, it's a bad thing. Uh, it's a good thing. They go back and forth. I, I read uh, probably four or five journal presentations on it. Uh, so I don't know. Let's, let's, let's get to the end and, and, and talk to Jesus about this. But I think generally everybody agrees that it's bad for your health to watch the Broncos play. It's, you, can, you can count on that. Number five, graphy. We're calling it graphy. Come on, you know what we're talking about? The common damage, common. These are common. There's, in other words, there's, there's outliers that, that can still be beyond this, but these are the common damaging effects of pornography. That is... 
video or some sort of imagery. The damaging effects include isolation, increased aggression, distorted beliefs and distorted perceptions, distorted relationships, negative feelings about oneself and negative feelings about others. And, and if that all wasn't bad enough, it leads to a neglect. They, they say common effects. Pornography will lead you to neglect other aspects of your life. Work, health, fitness, relationships, friendships. It's bad news. It's bad news. Let's take the sin element all the way, and, and, and I'm not. But let's just for the sake of, exam, of, of illustration, take the sin effect and say there is nothing sinful about viewing pornography. There is enough bad news without it ever being a sin. It's destructive. It's destroying and rotting your life. Come on. So what about the rest? Waiting for me to get to the other lines. What about substances? Diet. Let's talk about diet. Let's, let's talk about, and the list could go on and on and on that impact my body. But here it is. Here it is. We're going to keep it simple. We're, we're, going to, we're going to keep it simple and guard our heart. We're just going to, we're going to put our palms up, shrug our shoulders just like our friend Lame, and say, we're going to keep it simple, all right? Let's guard our hearts. Let's not play. Let's not play with the cigarette. We know it kills us. Pornography, gaming, negative, bad friends influence our lives, set us on a trajectory of depression and destruction. Let's, not, let's guard our hearts. It's simple. We're not making this complicated. We, man, it's, it's tough to figure out all this. No, just guard your heart. We know what's right and wrong. Listen to the poetic words written by Moore Jonathan Mark, made popular by by singer Steve Green when he sings the invitation, guard your heart. What appears to be a harmless glance can turn to romance. Homes are divided. Feelings that should never have been are awakened within, tearing the heart in two. Listen, the song says, I beg of you. Guard your heart. Don't trade it for treasure. Don't give it away. The human heart is easily swayed, often betrayed at the hand of emotion. You dare not leave the outcome to chance. You must choose in advance or live with the agony. Such needless tragedy. Guard your heart. Don't trade it for treasure. Don't give it away. Guard your heart. As a payment for pleasure, it's a high price to pay for a soul that remains sincere with a conscience clear. Guard your heart. It's simple. Just guard your heart. How do we do that? How do we do that? One last passage. It's going to the Apostle Paul, now Philippians, right? You, you blast through the Gospels, you get to Romans and then First and Second Corinthians, and then you start into his, his, his one-part letters, Colossians, Ephesians, Galatians, and then you got, or you got Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. And the peace of God. That's an operative phrase because he ends this, this section with it. The peace of God. He ends it in verse 9 with the peace of God be with you. It's bookends. It's saying this is, this is about health and happiness and peace. The peace of God, 
Here we go. Verse 7. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. That phrase is just says it's beyond expectations. It will blow your expectations. The, the peace of God will. Transcends all expectations, all understanding. Will guard your hearts and your minds in who? Who's the guard that's been appointed to our hearts? In Christ Jesus. Oh, in Christ Jesus. He's the, he's the guard of our hearts. He's the heaven-appointed guard of every one of our hearts. The peace of God is, it bookends this section, but the guard is Jesus himself. What Jesus, what do you need from us? He says, oh, you'll make my job easy. If you would, if you would, and then he breaks into verse eight. Let's keep reading. Verse eight. Finally, everyone. He just says, hey, brothers, sisters, finally, everyone, whatever is true, we like to stop there. If it's true, we, we can share it. If it's true, we can watch it. If it's true, we can, we, can, uh, we can give it our attention. But that's just not the full story. Paul didn't stop there at true. He said, whatever is true and whatever is noble and whatever is right and whatever is pure and whatever is lovely and whatever is admirable. Get all of those things together. Then keep reading. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. And then he concludes, and the peace and the God of peace will be with you. Jesus says, I, I need your help. I need your help. You keep telling me to, 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 to get out of the guard shack. You, you keep removing me from the guard shack so that you can get this stuff by me. But my job is to guard your heart from that stuff that will destroy you, that will suck the life out of you, that will rot your soul. I'm there to guard your heart, but you keep telling me to go away. Oh, says Jesus, I want to guard your heart. Jesus, what do you need me to do? Let's bring back Lame. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Let me guard your heart. Don't make this complicated. What does that mean? It means Jesus gets to decide what comes into my heart. Years ago, I had a young person come to me and just ask me, hey, pastor, uh, sh should I watch Star Wars? Now, let me just confess to you. I have no interest in Star Wars. I've never watched Star Wars. I've never, read, I've never exposed myself to Star Wars. I have zero interest in it. Sci-fi just isn't my thing. doesn't mean there aren't other things that, that Satan uses to capture my attention, but sci-fi is not one of them. So I'm sitting here with this young man who's saying, man, I just don't know. I'm wrestling with whether I should, uh, I should expose myself to Star Wars. I said, well, talk to Jesus. He, uh, he's the guard of your heart. Talk to Jesus. What do you mean, talk to Jesus? I talk, just ask him, Jesus, should I let Star Wars into my heart? And if there's a little voice, a little, a little tap in your mind that says, it's not the best for you. It's not what's right. It's not what's pure and holy and praiseworthy. He's the guard. Let him be the guard. It's that simple. Let's not complicate it. Let's let Jesus be the guard of our heart. We expose ourselves to his words so that we can be informed. Let's talk to him. Jesus, should this get into my heart? Psalm 46 and verse 1, let me put it on the screen for you. It says, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. He wants to be the constant guard. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every day of the year. Jesus wants to stand as the guard of my heart and say, no, no, Michael, I, that's not your job. It's my job. I'll, I'll be the guard. 
I, I, I Googled. I don't often recommend this, but I just Googled. Job description for a security officer or a guard. And Google came through for me this time. It said, the primary duties of a security guard or security officer or guard are to guard valuable items. In light of Psalm 46, verse 1, Jesus saying, I will be your ever-present. I will be there all the time. He must think that you and I are pretty valuable. If he's going to spend his existence guarding our hearts, he must know that we're that valuable. Well, we didn't have to be told by David in Psalm 46, Jesus spread out his arms on a cross with a broken heart, saying, I will die for the right to be your guard. Just let me be your guard. The whole Bible is a description of God seeking to be the guard of our hearts. Let's let him be the guard of our hearts. In, in John 1, in verse 32, John gave this testimony. He said, when Jesus was baptized, when he was baptized, I saw the Holy Spirit coming down on Jesus. And then there's this little line that John inserts, and it remained on him. Did you know that at baptism, at baptism is when we give God official permission to be the guard of our hearts forever? The Holy Spirit remained on him, said, hey, now that you're baptized, now that you're part of the family, now that you're a child of God, I have the right, the legal right to be the guardian. We use the same terminology today. When somebody becomes a, an official part of a family, you become the legal guardian. The legal guardian. And Jesus says, if, you're, if you make that choice, I'll be your legal guardian. I want to tell you one more story and then I want to invite you to make a decision. Never heard this story until this week. Corporal Hassan, way back when the Ottoman, uh, Ottoman Empire had control of, of even the Holy Land. They had guards stationed through Palestine. 1917, the British pushed back the Ottoman Empire back. And they had to retreat into Turkey. But at that point, they left a rear guard to guard some of the important places. And I, get, and I learned militarily, this is an accepted practice. The rear guard just keeps order until the new power, the transition of power takes place. And a rear guard is not punished like captives of war when the new power comes in. They understand that that rear guard is not there to fight. They're, just, they're there to keep looting from happening or, or crime from happening until the new power comes in. And so the Ottoman Empire left a, left a rear guard as the British came in. Corporal Hassan was part of that rear guard. He was assigned by his lieutenant along with 57 privates to guard the Al-Aqsa Mosque. His lieutenant said to him, Guard it until the Brits are here. And if you're willing, this is what the lieutenant said, if you're willing, stay as long as you can. It will give the people that are used to seeing you here, it will give them comfort as the new power takes transition. Corporal Hassan took that literally. And the, and the new power came in. And apparently, they respected his position because Corporal Hassan stood guard at the post he was assigned by his lieutenant. 
for 57 years. In 1972, Bradaki, a historian, was touring the area and asked people, let me put his picture on the screen. Uh, he asked people, hey, what's this, what's this old man standing over there by the pillar? They said, we don't know. He never says anything. He never asks anybody for anything. He just stands there every day, seven days a week, every day of the year. So, so Bardaki goes and talks to him and, and introduces himself. And the man says, I am Corporal Hassan, and I was assigned here 57 years ago to stand guard, and I have been here every day since. And then he said, would you please, because Bardaki was going up into Turkey, he said, when you get to Turkey, would you let my lieutenant know that I have been faithful every day to guard as he appointed me? Bardaki meant to be good on his promise, but he found out in Turkey with some investigation that the lieutenant had passed years and years and years earlier. But Corporal Hassan, his privates had died one off, one by one. Corporal Hassan stood guard over the mosque that he had been assigned to until the day of his death in 1984. Corporal Hassan became a legend of what it meant to be, to be faithful to the task. Corporal Hassan isn't the only one. He's not the only one. Psalm 46 and verse 1 says, God is our refuge and our strength. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. He will never give up his post if we allow him the job. So what about music? What about sports? What about what I'm, my friends? What about all of these things? Here's the invitation. Why don't you take it to Jesus? Why don't you ask Jesus, Jesus, should this come into my heart? Should this be allowed into my heart? Let him be the guard of your heart. I want to invite the worship team up here, and then I want to make an invitation to you. Maybe there's one of you that, like me, recognizes that there are times in my life that I have taken God, and maybe even currently, that I have taken Jesus and dismissed him, given him the day off. And you know in your heart that you need to return to his full-time faithful duty as the guard of your heart. Is there one other besides me that would stand here in, this, in, the, in the sanctuary today and say, I, I need to just let Jesus be the full-time guard of my heart again. I need to make that decision. God bless you. You make that decision. He's the full-time guard, 24 hours a day and seven days a week. As we sing our, our theme song, Not I But Christ, I want to make a, a, another invitation. On November 6th, we have a special Sabbath where we're going to have uh, seven baptisms are being planned right now. I wonder if we, if we, if we should make room for more. Remember, baptism is the, is the public signal that you are making God the legal guardian of your heart. Maybe you've wandered away and you know you need to reassign him be rebaptized. If you're one of the seven that are going to be baptized on November 6th, I'd like to invite you just to come forward. Our, our pastors are up here as well. I'm going to be up here. If there's one more that, that would like to join us, if, if, if you're on for November 6th, come up. Come up. Some are in first service, some aren't here, but you come up. But if there is one more today, knows that you need to set God as the legal guardian of your heart, that you need to have Jesus 
be the guardian of your heart. I wish you would just come up, young or old, that you would join us here in the front as we sing this appeal song. decided to allow Jesus to be the guardian of your life or you have wandered away in distractions and you need to come back be rebaptized as a public statement that you are setting Jesus as the guardian of your heart would you please consider joining us in that decision today
Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.